When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Welcome to The Verge. Uh, this is our second episode here of this podcast from Baltimore Sports and Life. Running down the Orioles minor league system, I am Zach Spedden, joined by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. Um, in this episode, we got the latest news items out of the Orioles minor league system, along with part one of our two-part top 30 list for the Orioles farm system. Right now, if you go on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, you will find players 30 through 16 that are on the list with reports from uh, Nick Stevens, who is here today, along with Bob Phelan, my two co-hosts. To start the show off, before we get into the list, we're going to talk about really what I think was the biggest news of the past week, at least as far as prospects were concerned, which was the Orioles' decision to send back the two players they chose in the Major League phase of the Rule 5 draft, Brandon Bailey and Michael Rucker, to their respective previous organizations, the Houston Astros and Chicago Cubs. Um, on a couple of levels, this move is surprising. Uh, in our last show, we gave both players, particularly Bailey, a pretty good chance to make the major league roster out of spring training. Um, and certainly, I don't know that anyone would have seen the decision. Edit that part out. The decision yeah. to send them back, coming so early in camp. Uh, the Orioles doing this with a lot of time left uh, in March as we prepare for opening day. So, Nick, I'm going to start with you. What was your reaction to this move by the Orioles to send Bailey and Rucker back uh, to the Astros and Cubs, respectively? I was surprised that it happened so early. I mean, it was, what, the first week of March, and uh, Michael and I started making these moves. And We talked last episode about the odds of Brandon Bailey making this roster. I think, uh, I think it was Bob that said something about you know maybe using him as like an opener. Um, I really like that idea a lot. Um, he seemed like a guy who you know you could use out of the bullpen, even stretch him out a little bit. Um, someone who maybe <clears throat> you know is not going to make a whole lot of noise on the major league roster, but someone that can contribute. I and mean, when you look at some of the pitchers on this forty-man roster right now, um, and Rucker, I, you saw the reports. His fastball throwing 95, 96 miles an hour. I was getting more into the idea of using him out of the bullpen, uh, especially early in the year. But I mean, it's surprising. But at the end of the day, it's their Rule Five picks, and as much as Brandon Bailey seemed to endear himself to the fan base this early, um, you know, it's I don't think it's anything worth losing sleep over, really. But just surprising it happens so early. Exactly. Um, the biggest surprise was that they didn't wait till closer to breaking camp to make this decision, and they they cut him so early on. But I guess. They just figured they they had better ideas to use those forty man roster spots. I think it's it's less. I thought at least one of them was going to make it. I thought if anything they were battling each other, 
And I think the, like I was saying, the 40 man roster spot is more valuable to Elias than necessarily the 26 man roster spots. So I think it's, it's kind of encouraging that he thinks we could do better from two other non roster invites. And we obviously picked up somebody else outside of camp as well. Yeah. It, to me, it was really surprising, and I had mentioned on the show last week that I thought with Bailey's background in Houston and the fact that Michael Elias and some of the other people in the Orioles baseball operations department would have that level of familiarity with him. I didn't. I don't know that I necessarily saw Bailey as a lock, but I thought his chances of making the roster were pretty good. And typically we see these decisions regarding Rule 5 players made late in camp uh, if they are sent back. It's generally you know, down the final week or the final few days. In this case, the Orioles do it right away, but it seems like the decision was made early on. This is how we see the 40-man roster coming together. We don't see either one of them on the 40-man roster, so let's just make that decision now for the 26-man roster to send them back to their original organizations. And ultimately, I, I guess the Orioles also believe that they couldn't keep both players on the roster all year, which is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and I guess it's better to give some these extra two weeks of spring training, give the innings to someone who they think will be on the team for the entire season. All right, now we're going to get into, um, as I mentioned, it's on the site right now, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Uh, players 30 through 16 on our top 30 prospect list. Later in the week, players 15 through 1 will be on the site. And then we'll discuss that in episode three next week. Uh, one thing I should note, since it relates to the last topic, is that in our original list, uh, Brandon Bailey was ranked 18th. But once he was sent back to the Astros, that obviously no longer applied. What that effectively did was allow Adam Stauffer to make the list at number 30, with Caden Grenier bumped up to 29th. Um, we're all going to get into our thoughts on this list, but I'm going to start with Nick since he put the reports together. Uh, what are your general impressions of this part of the top 30 prospect list? Yeah, this one, the bottom half of this top 30 list was a lot more fun to dive into and, uh, and put together just because there's a lot of unknowns um, when you look at 16 through 30. Um, I think at the top of the list, a lot of all three of us submitted a list to start this thing off, and then we kind of just aggregated these together to form our one composite list. And the top of the list, we were pretty consensus across the board for the most part, minus one or two spots, but you saw a lot of differences down here at the bottom of the list. Um, a lot of guys who maybe came out of high school uh, that played in the Gulf Coast League last year that we'll talk about that we haven't really seen yet. Um, some more guys that may be possible, you know, um, Utility types with like Ryland Bannon, maybe some bounce back guys like Cody Sedlock. Um, a lot of guys on this list probably making the major league roster at some point in 2020. Um, but I think what we're seeing overall is that this year, this top three list is deeper than it's been in a long time. Uh, a lot more interesting names uh, to head out to the minor league ballparks and look at. Um, it's even, we had some guys who just missed the list that we'll probably talk about later on, but um you know, that are still interesting names that could contribute at the major league level or are still intriguing uh, arms still down in the minor leagues. So, yeah, it's, I'm excited to talk about these guys and watch them progress this year. Yeah, I, like you said, it's, it's, a pretty, it's deeper than I'm used to with the Orioles as far as top 30 prospects go. I feel like it's a story of some younger on-the-rise guys infiltrating like 
the you know utility player bullpen arm types that are usually on the back back half of a prospect list like we'll get into it but Daryl Hernandez there's just some younger guys who I think could continue to work their way up and push some more people down as we go into the year yeah I agree and I mean if you look at the really the bottom of this list um Adam Stauffer, who I mentioned, 21 years old, still does not have a lot of professional experience, but as Nick notes in his report, is showing promise early on to be a major league reliever. And then for me, at number 28, Joseph Ortiz is a little intriguing. Um, his profile is, I think, consensus, and I'm see if either one of you agree with this, as kind of a glove-first player, but where, as you mentioned, Nick, there is some underlying promise with his bat. Yeah, I mean, he played at New Mexico State, and I know that playing in Las Cruces, New Mexico, high elevation, um, you hear a lot of times that these, those offensive numbers are going to be inflated. Uh, when you're looking at like this year's draft, a guy like Nick Gonzalez is a consensus, maybe top five, top ten pick in this year's draft, knocking the cover off the ball. But usually when you hear the name Nick Gonzalez or anyone from New Mexico State that's a hitter, you always hear, but he plays at New Mexico State. Um but the thing with Joey Ortiz is, yeah, it's all about his glove. But when you look at some of his college numbers, the guy had, he struck out 24, 25, and 26 times in his three seasons at New Mexico State. And in those three years, he had 56 doubles and triples. I mean, so the guy finds the gaps. He doesn't strike out. Um, he doesn't walk that much. But again, he's not striking out either. He puts the bat on the baseball. And so maybe it's a bat that comes around later on. I mean, he's only 21 years old playing in the lower minors. So um, it's not like a – I'd put him maybe a step above a guy, guys like a Mason McCoy who, you know, that bat's probably not going to play at the major league level. But Joey Ortiz, there's a lot more promise, I think, there with, with that bat. Yeah, it, it, I think it really reflects in his numbers. I particularly looked at the strikeout-to-walk numbers. When you see something like that, to me, that reflects a pretty good judgment of the strike zone, which is a skill set that you hope is going to carry over the professional level for him. Because if nothing else, I think you know that could make him a guy who, even if he does not hit for a high average, is still putting up good enough on-base numbers, showing good enough back control to justify at least part-time playing time. Um, we talked a little bit before the show about the players that intrigue us on this section of the list. And the one name that I mentioned for me is uh, Cody Sedlock, who was largely written off before last year. Um, and then all of a sudden comes out, has a big year out of the bullpen. A lot of reports that were out there during the season suggested that he really bought into the more analytical approach that the Orioles were taking with their pitchers last year. Um, and as a result, he comes in 22nd on the list. Uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on Sedlock and maybe what we could see from him this year? I was just happy he was able to have a mostly healthy season last year. Obviously, he had a nightmare couple years after being drafted in the first round by the Orioles. And it was good. I mean, he had a little bit of a, a setback in the middle of the year where he had like two or three weeks off, I think. But just the fact that he stayed healthy, he got some innings in, and he pitched well. And it seems like he like you said, was buying into what Elias and company are doing with the pitching development. And he's striking batters out. He can start. He can relieve. It's They have options depending on how he looks this coming year. And, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's a good story if he can bounce back. You have any thoughts on him, Nick? 
Yeah, he I guess he kind of became like the poster boy for the, the new Mike Elias player development system down there in the minor leagues. When you compare his numbers to his last full season, which would be like 2017, and the strikeouts went up, but you know the walks also went up. His ground ball rate really did kind of tank. It was around like 30% last year when he got into buoy. Um, so he's got the new four-seam fastball that helped to generate a lot of those strikeouts. You heard a lot of reports about that. And, I mean, like Bob said, he was fully healthy for, for most of the year, which is exciting. Um, the numbers were there for the most part. Um, I think there's still big question marks around him, but he's probably going to start the year down in Bowie again. And if he starts out hot, I mean, this could be a guy that you know I could see in the bullpen by the end of the year possibly. Yeah, he's 24 years old, so it's not like mm-hmm. you have much time to waste there. Yeah, you you could see him just because of his age move. You know, I don't want to say quick, but I do think later in the season, um, the Orioles could rely on him if he's pitching well down in the minors, especially because I think the bullpen really is going to kind of be an area that's in flux throughout the season. Um, going over the whole list, um, or at least this section of the list, um, another name that is standing out, for me at least, Zach Watson, um, who had a hand injury that ended his season last year, but a third-round pick, who shows some upside, but there's a lot of question marks. Um, Nick, what do you think we could see from him this year? Yeah, he's one of those guys that I've got on the top of my list is you weren't able to watch a lot last year, so he's at the top of my list this year to get a lot of eyes on this season. Um, But all the reports you read on Watson were a guy that – really had a lot of success in the SEC for three straight years uh, with LSU. He had above 300 in all three years uh, with the Tigers. Um, I saw Baseball America had him ranked as the second best defensive outfielder in the draft. And just kind of reading over all the reports and seeing some of his college numbers, it almost seems like maybe he's like a Ryan McKenna type, but with more pop and better defense, um, which is fine. Um, I think, you know, Maybe his ceiling could be that of maybe a a fourth outfielder in the major leagues. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot of him, so I can't really speak, like, off firsthand knowledge of him. But just the reports are glowing uh, on his defense, which which I like. And there's potential for more home run power. So we'll see how he plays out in his first full season. He left a good impression on me because I went to an Aberdeen Ironbirds game last year, and I think it was his first official game and he hit it to home run out on the first pitch he sees. And he made a few good plays in the field. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. A lot of these guys who were just drafted last year, it's hard to tell the same year they're drafted, like how they're performing after their long seasons they've already been on. But he's got defense, speed, some pop. And when he moved up to Delmarva last year, he put up some pretty good numbers before he was shut down for the year due to that hand injury. So I'm curious to see where he'll pick back up. So he ranks 24th on our list. One pitcher that I know from our conversation as this list was coming together that Nick is uh, pretty high on, and that's Brennan Hanafy, who comes in 21st, or excuse me, 25th, 21 years old, ranked 25th on the list. Um, Not coming off the best of seasons, but Nick, I know you still see some promise there. 
Definitely, Brendan Hanafy is is my guy. He's from, he's from he was born and raised right down the street. So I'm gonna come out in full transparency and say there's a little bit of bias here. <laughs> but uh, I've watched this kid since he was I think, like 14 years old play baseball. Um, his dad was a scout for the Orioles. Um, his dad was a, a successful college coach. Um, he's got the pedigree. Comes from a tremendous uh, high school baseball program here up in Bridgewater, Virginia, and. He had the back injury when he got drafted, and so the Orioles didn't pitch him in 2016 after he was drafted uh, in the fourth round. Um, but he came out, his next two seasons had great years, tremendous ground ball numbers, a lot of weak contact, big fastball. That it, on some camera views, it almost looks like the fastball started a, a hitter's eyes and ends at, ends like at his belt. Um, it's just so much sink he generates with that fastball. Um, Big guy. He's just 6'4", 6'5", and he's getting so much bigger year after year. Uh, the concern is that I've seen a lot of reports that you know the fastball velocity isn't coming around. Um, but still, I mean, this is a guy who's not going to generate a lot of strikeouts. Uh, that's been clear from the very beginning. He's, those strikeout numbers aren't going to increase. But if he can uh, better his command next year, uh, decrease that walk rate, keep his high ground ball numbers, keep his low home run numbers. I know Frederick is pretty home run friendly. Uh, and he still didn't a lot of home runs allow a lot of home runs down in Frederick. Um, he didn't become a full time pitcher until very late in his high school career because he played like four other sports full time also. So um, didn't really do a lot of the whole travel ball circuit and such um, as, as a amateur prospect. But I mean, this is a kid who's still young. He's still younger than most of the competition he faced last year in the Carolina League. He's a big guy with a big fastball, and the organi- a lot of those numbers were due to the organization forcing him to use the secondary pitches more, which are kind of lagging behind a little bit. Um, I know the year before, the last month or two of the season, they shut down his secondary pitches, and they told him, just throw fastballs. Um, and so last year, it was, don't throw the fastball as much, throw all your slider and your changeup. And, and you saw the effect of that. So I'm confident that he's the candidate to have a, a rebound year next year. I know the local paper already reported that he's going to start the year in Frederick. So uh, we'll see. But I, I like his odds of having a bounce back year. But little bias. But. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure, Nick was the only one that had him on his list at, what, 15 or 16? Yeah, he was pretty high. <laughs> but to be fair, he was like 31 or 32 for me. So just missed my list. I think the thing with Brennan this season is going to be consistency. I mean, last year, there were times he went out, I think he threw a complete game shutout and looked dominant, and then there was other times where he was getting hit around a bit. But just keep working on those secondaries. Clearly, he's got a great sinker, and that's going to be his bread and butter throughout his whole career. I'm wondering if maybe eventually they move him into the bullpen and he becomes like a right-handed Zach Britton type. Maybe not to that extent, but same idea. Um yeah, this year is going to be really important for him. He's either going to take that next step or maybe they will start to think about shifting where he pitches from. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be a big year for him. He did not make my top 30, but I think that Nick is correct to note that there is the potential for bounce back with his numbers coming into 2020, and he could be easily a consensus top 30 prospect, probably top 20 if he's able to get a little bit more consistency this year. Um, One name that I know is going to be watched pretty closely throughout the year for a number of reasons is number 19 on our list, Bruce Zimmerman, uh, left-hander who's a local product, came over in the Kevin Gaussman-Darren O'Day trade in 2018 from Atlanta, was really probably the player that flew under the radar 
the most, other than the footnote of, oh, he's from the area. But the numbers have been there now for a little bit over a year. Doesn't have the best stuff. But, you know, we're seeing a level of consistency that makes you think that Zimmerman could factor into the Orioles' plans at the major league level at some point this year. Bob, what do you think about Zimmerman coming into this year? I'm wondering if he's going to be John Means 2.0 and make this team out of spring training, maybe starting in the bullpen and trying to work his way into the rotation. Uh, His velocity has ticked up, it seems like, this spring. He's sitting 92-95 in his last outing, I believe I saw. Seems like his slider is improving and maybe just needs some consistency with command. He's got a solid changeup. I feel like he always has, but he's still around while guys like Dean Kramer and Zach Lothar have been sent down to minor league camp. He's still sticking around and sticking around. So, yeah, I think he's a guy that's just going to have to always, you know, just tie his shoes real tight, go out there, and give it his best to stick on a major league team. But so far, it seems like he could do it. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think he's – I have. I saw 95 a couple of times. I don't know when Masson broadcasted a game. I, I They broadcast, you know, what, two or three all year. But, hey. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, what is that about? Yeah, very rare. But, um, yeah, I saw 95 a lot. Uh, I like it. Um, I think earlier in his minor league career, he, you know, he was like upper 80s, maybe 90, 91. But I really like his chances of sticking um, and – I don't know if he's going to make the opening day roster because I'm actually working on a, another piece for BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Uh, just kind of looking at the pitching, taking stock of the pitching right now where it's at. And um, you see Tom Eshelman leads the team in innings pitched. I think he might get an opportunity. Um, the guys like Wade LeBlanc, Tommy Malone, probably going to stick around in the rotation. But I think with a few good starts down in Norfolk, you start to see, once we see that Tom Eshelman is still Tom Eshelman, I think we see Zimmerman uh, get an opportunity. Um yeah, a lot of swing and misses this spring. He's given up three home runs and just a few innings pitched, but each of those is just that fastball command. He's left it right over the plate, and it's ended up over the fence. So, um, yeah, I, I like the John Means 2.0 reference. I mean, it could be. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, um, but uh, I could see him sticking around on the major league roster for the rest of the year at least. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning that this time last year, no one saw John Means coming. I, I don't right. think that there was a scenario you could have drawn up that was best case scenario that would have been the year that he had. And although I know we're coming into this year with, is that the real John means, or does he come back down to earth a little bit uh, going forward? What he managed to do last year was impressive. And it's a reminder with pitchers like uh, Bruce Zimmerman and even Alex Wells, who comes in just ahead of him at number 18 on the list, that sometimes, you know, it's not always about the stuff. If there's that little bit of consistency and they have a good feel for the pitches that they have, guys, as they get to the higher levels of the minor leagues and into the majors, can find success. Um, Moving into the position player realm here and the person who tops the 16 through 30 part of the list, Ryan McKenna, added to the 40-man roster over the offseason, displays a lot of potential particularly with his speed and defense, but the bat has not quite been there since 2018 uh, when he had that breakout season. The Orioles are hoping that the bat comes around a little bit this year. Um, Bob, what do you see from McKenna, and what do you think he can do at the plate this year? I'm very curious about McKenna. I'm, I'm a think I'm a little bit lower on him than a lot of people are. I see him in like maybe top 15, top 10 range on some list out there for the Orioles. 
I mean, clearly he's got good defense, he's fast, and he has that 2018 in Frederick that he can hang his hat on as far as he can hit if if it comes down to it. But I don't know. I just feel like he's been so inconsistent the since he moved up to Double A Bowie in uh, late 2018 and all of last year. But having said that, I mean, even though the numbers don't look good last year, he still had a WRC plus of 102, so it's not like he was pretty much league average. And if he can start the year in AAA and that ball's bouncing and he gets some confidence, I'd, I'd be uh, really happy to see that. Yeah, I, I want like, to – I've still been high on McKenna. I think higher than most a lot of the time, but – I mean, he's still a guy that you you still read those reports sometimes of him, you know, his lackadaisical play in the outfield, uh, kind of misjudging balls, bad routes. Uh, so, like, is how good is his defense going to be? We'll, we'll find out. But I guess the one thing that I keep looking at is, like, his ground ball, fly ball numbers down the minor leagues, kind of fluctuating. So it's like last year he clearly tried to be a home run hitter um, when – when he had that breakout in Frederick, he wasn't trying to be a home run hitter. He puts the ball into the gaps, gets on base, uses that just electric speed, which, I mean, like I'm, I'm sure you guys have been to a game live and seen it. It's something that when you're at a game, you actually see him turn routine ground balls to shortstop into like exciting plays. Like That's how blazing his speed is. Hasn't translated to, to success as far as stolen bases are concerned, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is a guy I think if, if they can just figure out that swing – show that he can be consistent at the plate. I mean, he could be a breakout guy this year, but, yeah, still, still a lot of questions surrounding that bat, I think. So, Nick, do you yes. think with, with him it's really a matter of simplifying the approach a little bit to say, all right, you know, this is what your skill set is. Your speed is a big part of your game. Focus on making contact. Don't try to be a home run hitter. Yeah, I mean, it could be. And it could be, you know, last year it could have been a, look, we know who you are. We know what kind of hitter you are, but let's try this. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, I feel like up and down, not just at the major league level, but also at the minor league level, it was last year was not a waste isn't the right word, but it is a perfect year to just try stuff, try new stuff across the board. And so that could have been what they did with Ryan McKenna, but we'll, we'll see what he does this year, what changes he makes. So Bob, you have anything you want to add on McKenna? Uh, just said it's he screams fourth outfielder to me, which can be valuable to a solid team. But I don't know. I don't know if I have much confidence in him being much more than that. Did either one of you think? And you know, um, I'll throw this back to you, Bob. Did either one of you think that he would be uh, chosen in the Rule Five draft if he had not been protected by the Orioles? Because I was conflicted about this going into it. I really didn't. I mean, maybe someone could have picked him and especially with that extra 26 man, use him as like a pinch runner, late defensive replacement if he showed consistency there. But other than that, I just don't think his bat was ready to at least make it a full year with somebody. Yeah, I, I kind of agree there. I don't know. You didn't really see a whole lot of activity in the Rule 5 draft this year as is. So I mean, maybe if, if you're a team that um, you, know, you could stash him away and say, look, we don't need you to hit. We just need you to come steal bases at the end of the game. Sure. But, I mean, teams seem to be valuing that. Even though there's an extra roster spot, teams seem to be valuing it very, very highly this year. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I the question that I had in the back of my mind was, Will someone look at the overall athleticism and think, well, for this year, I'll basically make him, and I'll use another former Orioles comparison here, Craig Gentry, 
for the type of player he could be. Play the outfield for the last nine outs of the game. Uh, you know, steal a base if you need to. And if you get a hit while you're in the lineup for those two or three innings, great. But that's kind of the role. That's the only role where I really saw McKenna factoring into a major league club, especially for the whole season. So I had doubts about him, and I had a lot of questions about Cody Sedlock, who we talked about earlier. And I think in that case, teams side away from him in the Rule 5 draft. Part of it with what Nick mentioned, kind of a devalue in the Rule 5 draft across the board. But then also Sedlock's injury history, I think, crept into that uh, conversation with him a little bit and probably scared some teams away. Um, speaking of someone who's going to be dealing with injuries, Zach Pop, who ranks behind McKenna at number 17. I, For me, at least as I was putting together the list, I can say that if Pop had, one, still been healthy, and two, even been prospect eligible, which he may not have been, um, he would have probably ranked inside the top 15 without question for me. But that Tommy John surgery is... You know, kind of the looming factor over his season. Uh, Nick, what do you think, if anything, um, we should expect from Pop this season? I mean, this season I don't think we expect very much. Again, it's coming off Tommy John, there's not going to be that rush to get him back on the mound. Um, and he can kind of work his way slowly through the minor leagues this year and rehab that arm. But I definitely think he is a big-time sleeper. And I agree that if he was healthy – and prospect eligible, he'd be much higher on this list just because he hasn't had much time in the minor leagues. But I wrote these numbers in the article that when you look at his career numbers of the minors, he's got a ground ball rate of above 60%, a 173 average against, a 0.91 whip, and he's allowed one home run in 80 innings uh, across his career. Like The guy has a 100-plus mile-an-hour fastball out of the bullpen, and he's, he's someone that's going to, once he's healthy, I think I, I hope that fans don't forget about him. He's going to be yeah, a fun one to watch. This is your Zach Britton, right-handed Zach Britton, out of the bullpen. I mean, he's got an interesting delivery. I feel like he comes at a weird arm slot, and he throws hard. He's got great stuff. This year, it's all about just stay healthy, or not stay healthy. When he, when he comes back, just show that you are back and you're healthy. And, and um, yeah, just see if you can get that velocity back. See if you can stay consistent. Maybe if in a miracle he could be a September call-up, but just more with an eye towards 2021. So I'm going to run down the full list right now. Um, Adam Stauffer came in 30th. Caden Grenier, 29th. Joseph Ortiz, 28th. Blaine Knight, uh, right-handed pitcher at number 27. Gray Fenter, another right-handed pitcher at number 26. Uh, Brennan Hanafy at 25. Zach Watson at 24, shortstop Daryl Hernandez at 23, only 18 years old, fifth-round pick last year. That might be someone who moves up the list, uh, but we'll see how his season plays out. Cody Sedlock at 22nd. Ryland Bannon, uh, third baseman slash second baseman, who we talked about on last week's show extensively, uh, comes in at 21st. And that's someone who, as we noted in our first episode, could factor into the Major League roster later in the year. Kyle Bradis, a fourth-round pick by the Angels in 2018, who came over in the off-season trade that sent Dylan Bundy to L.A., finishes 20th. Bruce Zimmerman, who we talked about earlier, comes in 19th. Alex Wells, another left-hander to keep an eye on this year, comes in at 18th. Zach Pop, 17th. Ryan McKenna at 16th. Um, 
off of that list, which player are you looking forward to watching the most this season? I'll start with you, Bob. I'm looking forward to seeing Daryl Hernandez. see what he's got. We saw him drafted fifth-round high school. He was one of the few high school maybe upside plays from this past draft, and the numbers at GCL at the end of last year were pretty intriguing. Uh, 14.79 walk percentage, uh, 118 WRC+. plus. I mean, it just seems like his approach at the plate is interesting for someone as young as him, and I'm curious if he'll start at A. Delmarva or if they're going to hold him back to short A. Aberdeen. I think that will say a lot of what they think about him. Um, Yeah, I'm just really curious to get more eyes on him and see what he can do. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I want to watch all these guys. I just want to watch minor (laughs) league baseball. Um, No, I think uh, personally Caden Grenier is still very interesting to me. Um, you, when you watch him, I know last year going to Frederick games, there weren't a lot of hitters in the lineup that stood out. Um, but when Grenier plays defense, I mean, he, he catches your eye. He makes some spectacular plays out there at shortstop. He's a guy who can stick at shortstop, uh, but he just hasn't been able to hit the baseball yet. So I'm anxious to watch him and see how his bat plays this year, if he can kind of beat out the Mason McCoys and um, stay ahead of the Joseph Ortiz-type uh, prospects that are coming up. Um but I think, honestly, the, the guy that I'm most excited to see, it, maybe because it's just because he's new, is Kyle Bradish. Um, a guy we haven't really talked about, but is a guy, again, we haven't really been able to watch much. He didn't pitch after he was after the Angels drafted him in 2018. Um, last year was his first season of pro ball, and he went straight to high A, and he was an all-star. Uh, he's a guy who a lot of strikeouts, struck out almost 11 uh, guys per nine innings, uh, but he also walked a lot of guys, big 6'4 guy. Um, over-the-top delivery, got some natural deception in there, big, beautiful curveball. Um, again, we talked about last episode, all four of those guys that came back in the Dylan Bundy trade are probably profiled as major league relievers, but um, he's someone new in the organization and, and someone who maybe if Michael Elias and his guys can get their hands on this year, I'm anxious to see what he can do uh, in the rotation. Yeah, so and- curious to see, sorry, uh, so curious to see how, they balance this pitching rotation and throughout the minor leagues this year. You know, I was glad to see in, in the report, Nick, that you noted uh, Bradis's peripheral numbers, the 408 FIP, 387 XFIP, yeah. because that 428 ERA comes in the very hitter-friendly environment in the California League. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when you factor that context in, Bradis's season last year looks even better. I think the pitcher that I'm really going to be watching this year is Gray Fencher. Um, we had sort of, I think he'd been forgotten about a little bit because of the injury issues that he had had. Last year at Delmarva puts up really good numbers, and although he was probably old for low A, you have to factor in the amount of time that he lost with uh, injuries, specifically recovering from Tommy John. Put up good numbers across the board last year over a full season, so that he was healthy. I don't know long-term that he's a starter, which is why, you know, he's more on this end of the list for me. He came in 26. Um, But I think if the Orioles, you know, number one can start to look forward to him being part of the long-term picture a little bit more now that he is healthy. And I think if the decision is made at some point to move him to the bullpen full-time, that he could be, he can move fairly quick. Uh, You just hope that he is healthy. Uh, but if he, that's the case, 2019 could end up setting the tone for kind of a resurgence of his prospect stock. 
Um, Nick, do you have any thoughts on Fenter? Yeah, just same thing. I'm excited to see him uh, maybe as a you know a fastball, curveball, reliever type guy that now that he's 24 years old and he had that year, full year under his belt in Delmarva, maybe now uh, the Orioles maybe move him kind of more quickly through the system, go ahead and stick him in that bullpen somewhere because, you know, like you mentioned, Bob, the, the rotations up and down the organization are stacked uh, with intriguing guys. And so maybe just go ahead and start in the year with Finter in the bullpen and having him kind of skyrocket through the minor leagues, um, you know, maybe. I know a lot of people really upset that he, the Orioles didn't protect him in the Rule 5 draft last year. Um, but, again, in being 24 years old and in low A, there wasn't really any risk for him to be drafted. But someone who can move pretty quickly through the system now that he's shown that he's healthy. Yeah, I thought if anyone was at risk of being selected in the Rule 5, it would be Fenter over Sedlock just because of his age and how dominant he was, even though he was older than his competition, mostly in uh, Delmarva. But... Yeah, maybe he could be like a two, three inning guy out of the bullpen and really raise his stock even more this year. All right, so as mentioned, next week we will be bringing prospects 1 through 15. Uh, we'll be covering those that list, end of the list. And it should be noted that what you hear now is going to be subject to change throughout the course of the season uh, as players are... Graduate, graduate to the majors, injuries happen, trades happen, the draft happens. So what you see now by July 31st could look a lot different. But coming into the season, these are the names really for us to watch. Um, any final any final thoughts here? I'll start with you, Bob. Yeah, I'm just keep. maybe I think it would be fun to do a post-draft update to this top 30. And I look forward to seeing how it ebbs and flows throughout the year. Yeah, I'm excited to see these guys come back healthy, have strong seasons, get the ball rolling here in the 2020 season. Um, I'm excited to talk about a lot of these pitchers on next week's list, uh, the top 15 here. Um, it's it's a real exciting time to, you know, and as long as you ignore Keith Law and what he thinks. I mean, this is an exciting time to be an Orioles fan, and uh, it's a perfect time to uh head down to the minor league ballparks this season. I will be there a lot this year. I know all of us will be. Um, it's it's an exciting time in Birdland. You just got to dig a little deeper. That's all. Well, we'll be back next week with more of our thoughts on the Orioles minor league system. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to visit Baltimore Sports and Life for a continued coverage. Uh, you can join our message boards on there and follow us on Twitter at, at BSLTheVirds. Um, for Nick Stevens and Bob Phelan, this is Zach Spedden. Uh, thank you for listening, and tune back in next week.